Well, I'm excited about jumping in the river with you this morning because you're not here by, by chance. You're here by God's divine appointment. You know, any time we come apart from our busy schedule, our busy life, and we focus on him, he meets us. He meets us here. He wants to speak to our hearts. He wants to encourage us. And I love the scripture, that Thessalonians, uh, that says, encourage one another and build each other up. And that's the purpose today, that you will be encouraged, that you will be built up. You know that in the mall they have the, the store called the Build-A-Bear? You go in and they give you all the things and you put this bear together. Well, God is putting us together. He's stuffing us. <laughs> And we're hope, hopefully, our prayer today is that you will be built up, that you will be encouraged. Because you see, as we're built up in the Lord, as we're having our eyes on him, just as we sang about, then God is able to en enable us to be an influence in this world that is in total darkness. This world that desperately needs a woman to stand for truth. We see a lot of lies out there, don't we? And we need women who know God, who can stand in the authority of God Almighty and speak the truth. And that's what we pray today. I actually looked up the word influence. The capacity to have an effect on the character, the development, or behavior, or someone or something in an important way. What an opportunity we have as women who know Jesus to influence those around us, to influence their character, to influence their development, or even their behavior. We have that opportunity. You know, as you look through the Bible, you see women who were influences for good and women who were influences for evil. I was driving this morning, and I, I just started thinking about all the different women in the Bible. Deborah, who was a, 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 it was a she was a judge. God used her as an influence on this uh, military man who was scared to go and fight. In fact, he even said, if you go with me, I'll go. Hello. And she did. And, of course, they were victorious. And then I was thinking of Esther. For such a time as this, God had her in that palace. God had her in a place where he could use her in order to save her people, the Jews. I was thinking of Huldah. Maybe you've never heard of Huldah. Huldah is in uh, 2 Kings. Her husband was the keeper of the king's wardrobe. And at that point, King Josiah was a young king on the throne. And he was having the high priest uh, clean out the temple because it had been uh, abused for many years. And as they cleaned it out, they found the law. They found the law, word of the law. And as they were reading it, it was talking about judgment that was going to come because people had gone so far away from God. And King Josiah said, I need to know if this really is from God. Is this really a word from him? So he handed it to some guys, and they said, we know who to go to. We're going to go to Huldah. Huldah is a prophetess. Huldah knows God. Huldah will have a word of God for us. Isn't that incredible? That they would think of going to her. And when they did, sure enough, she said, yes, 
This is the word of the Lord. It's going to come to pass, but can't tell the king, you have humbled yourself, you have lowered yourself before God, and God's not going to let this happen while you're still alive. It's going to take place later. What an encouragement for that king. We can be women of influence. Also thought about the bad guys, the bad woman, women, Jezebel. She was a horrible influence on her husband, the king, King Ahab. Horrible influence on him and therefore the people. She caused the people to go after foreign gods, to go after Baal. She took all the prophets of Baal and fed them at her table. And then she killed all the prophets of God. Listen, she was a wicked, evil woman. She was an influence in the wrong way. I was also thinking of Delilah, what an influence she was. We know her name very well. She was the one that got Samson to be captured by the Philistines. But lastly, I was thinking of Mary, the sister of Martha and Lazarus. And what a role Mary played. We find early on that it talks about Mary's choice to sit at Jesus' feet. As she sat at Jesus' feet, as she matured in him, and the words he had to say, she had those earrings on that Lynn told us about, the, the ear to hear, the eye to see. And as she fell in love with her Lord and her Savior, God used her in a mighty way at the end of Jesus' life. In fact, she was the one that took that alabaster box and anointed Jesus before his his. Uh, his death and resurrection. She was the one who was anointed him for burial. And he said this about Mary. He said, wherever the gospel is preached in the ages to come, what she has done will be told as a memorial to her. Wouldn't you like that to be said of you? Well done, good and faithful servant. And this is the thing. I want to challenge you today. Will that be what they say about you? Will that be what they say about me? Because I can be a woman of influence for the good or for the bad. We can have that kind of influence. How will we be remembered? We will, will we be remembered as one who loved Jesus? As one who let the life of Jesus flow through her? The the love of Jesus flow through her, one who encouraged and built up others? Or will we leave a legacy of the woman who complained, the woman who was always negative, angry, unforgiving, resentful? How will we be remembered? What fragrance will come forth from my life? Will it be that fragrance of Jesus? Our ooh de self, the fragrance of self. We're all about self, aren't we? I, I, if you've ever heard me speak, I always use this. We have a little bird inside, and it sings one tune. Me, 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 right? That's why when you get a group picture, who do you look for? You look for me, me, don't you? And if, it, if, you're a, if it's a good picture of you, you're going to say, this is an amazing group picture. We should, we should have it in the hall somewhere. If it's a bad picture, delete, delete, right? It's amazing to me now, you know, nowadays, used to be you'd take a picture and you never knew until you got it developed if that picture was going to be good. Well, now you can tell ahead of time, right? 
And uh, it's, a, it's a good thing, I guess. We can find out. Barnabas was a person in the New Testament. And when Paul became a Christian, everybody was doubting if it was sincere because Paul had been a murderer of Christians. And they didn't know if they could trust him. Was this guy for real? Was he really following Jesus now? Or was this just a ploy to, to be able to get in the middle of it and, and have Christians destroyed? Well, Barnabas believed that Paul was for real. He believed that Paul truly had a relationship with Jesus. And he came alongside Paul and took Paul into the inner circle. His real name was Joses. But the apostles had given him the nickname Barnabas. And Barnabas literally means son of exhortation, son of encouragement. Wouldn't you want to be known that way? Daughter of exhortation, daughter of encouragement. The person with the gift of exhortation desires to see others mature in their faith and grow in their spiritual lives. To exhort is to urge strongly to give warnings or advice. And you know what? I can't give good advice unless I am in constant communication with the, the wisdom of all, God himself. I want to be that one that gives forth that good advice, that good encouragement. But I have to be in a relationship with God. Turn with me to Hebrews chapter 3. We're going to look verses 12 through 14. Hebrews 3, 12 through 14. Um, verses 7 through 11 had just been talking about the children of Israel and how the children of Israel, when they got in the trial in the wilderness, I mean, they saw amazing miracles in the wilderness, didn't they? They saw the Red Sea parted before them. They saw their enemy who was hot after them be destroyed as the Red Sea came down on top of those chariots and the, God caused the chariot wheels to swirl and the enemy was defeated. The dead soldiers washing up on the shore. They had seen God's faithfulness, God's provision, God's goodness, God's deliverance out of the bondage of Egypt. They had seen all those things. But time after time after time, they chose not to believe God, not to trust God. And he's been saying, don't harden your hearts as they did. They were rebellious. They wanted more of the leeks of Egypt than a relationship with God himself. How sad is that? And I have to say to myself, what am I desiring more than him? What am I putting first in my life instead of him? And there are many ways we can go, right? Social media can be a real hang-up. It can be a real idol. What's the first thing you look to in the morning? Is it your emails, your Facebook, or is it God seeking his face? Oh, God. I want to know you today. I want to walk with you today. I need your guidance today. I need your strength today. It's awesome that God knows the future. I don't need a crystal ball. I have God. He knows the future. He knows the plans he has for me. And I can trust him in that. So these people never did that. They always, always, always came against who God was and what God would do. 
They never believed. They always doubted. And he says, I was angry with that generation. And they always, that's a big word, always go astray in their heart. They have not known my ways. This is how we become a woman of influence when we know his ways. And as we know his ways, we know him. We partake of him. And then he, through us, can be an influence in this very dark world. Verse 12 says, beware, brethren. When he says beware, we better beware. Lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief. Unbelief to God is evil. Because I'm saying I trust more in what I think and how I think it should be versus what you think and what you know it should be. Beware lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. Now, if you're not in God's word, if you're not spending time having a relationship with him, you're not going to know him. And therefore, you're not going to be able to trust him. You know, when you meet somebody, like today, you may meet somebody you've never known before. You want to get to know that person. Getting to know you, getting to know all about you. Had to wake you up, okay. How do you get to know that person? You spend time with them. You know, it's funny, too. Have you ever noticed when people are really close friends, they say the same things? You know, the same little, little uh, expl- not expletive in a bad way, but, you know, just they say the same thing. Have you noticed that? Even their laugh sometimes starts sounding the same. Look at a married couple. Kind of scary. You start kind of even looking like each other. I've been married 49 and a half years. That's really scary. <laughs> Getting to know that person means spending time with that person. And, you know, your best friend, if somebody said she likes this, You can say, oh, no, 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 Mm -mm. that's not something she likes. I know what she likes. I know her favorite dessert. I know her favorite color. I know what her house is decorated in. We, We know that person. And that's the thing. God wants us to know him. Is that amazing or what, ladies? That God, the creator of the universe, desires for us to know him. You know, there are some people you meet, and you know they could care less if you get to know them. They don't really want to know you, and they don't want you to know them. Very secretive about who they are. God is not that way. He wants us to know him. He sent us his love letters, his word. I had a lady tell me one time at a retreat, I don't have the gift of reading the Bible. It's not a gift. <laughs> it's an exhortation. <laughs> To get to know him, I can read the letters that he's written to me in his word. So he says, beware, lest you have an evil heart of unbelief and departing from the living God. And then it uses the word exhort, verse 13, but exhort one another daily while it's called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. Did you realize how deceitful sin is? It can blind us to truth. And that's what the enemy's constantly doing. He wants to blind us to the truth of God's love for us. 
He wants to blind us to the truth of what God wants to do in our lives, the plans he has for us, that they're good plans, they're not evil plans, they're to give us a future and a hope. He wants to blind us to what God's word states as truth. He twists it, he contorts it, just like he did with Eve. God said they would die if they ate of that tree. Satan said, you will not die. It was an outright lie, a distortion of what God had said. And that's the thing. Exhort one another daily. When we're encouraging one another, when we're exhorting one another, we can see when the enemy's leading that person astray. That's the thing. I love you so much. i got to tell you the truth. You know, so many times women will get upset with their husbands. And, and just all they can talk about is this husband and I can't stand him and he did this and he did that. I know some women came to a retreat one time and they told me on the way to the retreat, they were husband bashing all the way up to the retreat. And she said, the girl that told me, she said, we were trying to almost outdo each other. Well, you don't know my situation. You know how we can get on that little tangent? Well, at the retreat, the Holy Spirit convicted them of the influence they had had on each other and definitely the downers about their husbands. So this one girl had the courage when they were sitting around the hot tub that night at the, at the conference center, and she said, I really feel that I've been wrong in bashing my husband, and I just want to say, why don't we go around and tell each other something we love about our husbands? Oh, boy, let me think. <laughs> You, you can think very quickly about what we don't like. But they did. They went around one by one and told something they loved about their husband. I know I married him for a reason. What was, what was that reason? <laughs> but you know what happened? As they went around like that, they just kept going around. It didn't become just one thing. They just started thinking about the positive. Thinking, oh, you know what? He really blessed me the other day, blah, blah, blah. She said by Sunday, they were so enamored with their husbands, they could not wait to get home. God, through them, were influencing each other in the right way. We're to exhort one another. He says, verse 14, For we have become partakers of Christ if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast to the end. Our confidence in God, our confidence in his word. And then we're able to exhort one another. In Hebrews chapter 10, it also says, Don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another, and so much more as you see the day approaching. You know what, ladies? There's so much in our world today trying to pull us down, trying to pull us away from the things of God. We need each other to direct us in a different direction, right? We can get even so fearful of what we see happening. We get our eyes off of God. God is still in control. God is still able to do it seemingly abundantly above and beyond anything we can imagine. But we need constantly to have our eyes on him instead of this world, instead of the circumstances of our life. And I need you, as a fellow sister in the Lord, to encourage me that way, to encourage me with the hope of Jesus. 
You know, sometimes um, women come and they have, they're going through hard things and they just want to bash somebody in their life. And then we have an opportunity. Am I going to influence this woman to get back to putting her eyes on Jesus instead of on this person that's driving her crazy or this job that's so difficult or this child that she just doesn't know what to do with? Pointing them back to Jesus. I'll never forget one time my husband and I were fighting. We were, it was young in our marriage, and we were just fighting about everything. I'd say black, he'd say white. He'd, I'd say black, he'd say white, back and forth. And nobody would let go. It was like dog with a bone. Nobody would give in. So I went to this older lady, and I said, I don't know what to do. We're just fighting all the time. She said, you're fighting all the time? What is that all about? I said, well, I'm right, and he's wrong. <laughs> she very perceptively said, looked at me and said, you have a lot of pride. What? I'm the problem? You know? But I needed that. I needed that kick in the pants to say, wait a minute. You're just putting your eyes on him and thinking you're all that. Instead of putting your eyes on Jesus. And she told me, she said, listen, don't try to change him. Let the Lord do that. You just, you just worry about you and the Lord. Remember Peter, when Jesus was telling Peter what was going to happen in the future, and Peter said, what about John? What about him? And Jesus said, uh-uh, don't be looking over there. It's just about you and me now. And that's the thing with us. Am I keeping my eyes on Jesus? I need those people who are going to point me back to him. When my heart is overwhelmed, the Bible says, lead me to the rock. That is higher than I. The rock of trusting in Jesus. The rock of knowing he's in control. Knowing he loves me. Knowing he can do things that I can't do. Knowing all these things are going to work together for my good. God is so faithful. So, I want to be that woman of influence. Let's look at 2 Peter 3.14. 2 Peter 3.14. This is an admonition, an exhortation. Uh, in the book of Peter, about how we live our lives. Because, as uh, Lynn said earlier, one day Jesus is going to come back. And it seems like this is never going to happen. We haven't seen, you know, we see indications, we see signs, we see things. You know, through the ages, especially in 1948 when Israel became a nation, everybody thought, oh, Jesus is going to come back any minute. People down through the ages have thought, oh, he's going to come back. I don't even want to have children because Jesus is coming back. I don't care about evangelizing. Jesus is coming back. No, no, no. We don't know when, do we? We may not be here when he comes back. But he is coming back. So this is a whole chapter about the last days and mockery about the last days and, and manifestation of the day of the Lord. And then you get down to verse 11. It says, maturity in view of the day of the Lord. Therefore, since all these things will be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness? That's the bottom line. No matter when he comes back, I'm looking for his coming. But what really matters is my life right now, as I'm living here on this earth, am I allowing God to be through me the influence that I need to be for godliness? 
Are you living in holy conduct and godliness, looking for and hastening the coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be dissolved, being on fire, the elements will melt with fervent heat? That's the second coming of Jesus. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for a new heavens and new earth in which righteousness dwells. Won't that be a glory hallelujah? Can you wait for that day when righteousness dwells, when we won't be attacked by the enemy, by the world, by our flesh? Ooh, hallelujah, my flesh will be under subjection. I love that. I can't wait for that day of righteousness. But in the meantime, how am I living my life? Therefore, beloved, looking forward to these things, here is an exhortation. Be diligent to be found by him, three things, in peace, without spot, and blameless. I will not be in peace, without spot, and blameless, if I'm not having a daily relationship with Jesus. No way. I need to be reading God's word. And this is such a basic thing. But ladies, it's so essential. Reading God's word. Therefore, I will get to know who he is, what he thinks, what he desires. In fact, as I get to know him in his word, the fear of the Lord. In other words, that reverential awe of God. I begin to know what God loves and what God hates. Because I want to love what he loves and I want to hate what he hates. And as I get to know him in his word... That's the means that he uses to teach me about who he is. Um, look with me at 2 Peter. We're going to keep your hand or uh, your foot or something in this place because we're going to come back. But we're going to depart a little bit. I want you to turn to the first part of this book, 2 Peter chapter 1. I love this uh, chapter, chapter 1, starting with verse 2. 2 Peter 1, 2. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. That's how we're going to have that peace that it talked about back in chapter 3. The knowledge of God and of Jesus. As his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him. That's how I know how to live a godly life. That's how I know how to have abundant life, is as I know him. The knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue, by which we have been given exceedingly great and precious promises. Where do you find those exceedingly great and precious promises? In God's word. We've been given these that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. There's the lust of our flesh. There's the lust of our eyes. There's the pride of life. You see, those things have ruled my life when I'm living for me. What I see, what I, what I want, what my flesh dictates. And God wants us to, to come away from that and live for what he wants. Because guess what? That's the best for us. 
What I want is going to do me in. And he's saying he's given us these precious promisers, promises that I can partake of his divine nature. Now, his divine nature, we know about the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, faithfulness, self-control. All of these things are the fruit of his divine nature. I want to partake of that. If I took a poll in here and said, how many of you want joy? How many of you want peace? How many of you want to die to yourself? (laughs) Partaking of his divine nature. But you see, we have to know what that's all about. And he's given us his word that we might know. We might know him and know his, about his life and how to be godly. Verse 4 says, By which we've been given exceedingly great and precious promises that through these we may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that's in the world through lust. But also for this very reason, giving all diligence... Sometimes I've often thought, I wish I could just take the Bible, lay it on my head at night, and it would just automatically go in. Kind of like a drip, you know, just go in there. It doesn't happen that way. And I'm going to tell you what else. The enemy of your soul will do anything he can to keep you from being diligent in partaking of God's truth. He wants to keep you ignorant He wants you to dwell in the lies of the world, of your flesh, and of the devil. And God says, but I want you to have abundant life. I want you to know me. I want you to partake of me. And so, he's saying, give diligence. Give diligence to add to your faith. You don't know Jesus in the first place. You don't have salvation until you, by faith, accept his gift of salvation. And it's not your works. It's his grace. Grace is giving you what you don't deserve. Mercy is not giving you what you deserve. Because we all deserve hell because of our sin. We all deserve death because of our sin. But he wants to give us life. He wants to give us the exact opposite. Heaven, eternity with him. And in order to have that, We have to add to our faith virtue. It's all faith coming to him in the first place. It's all by faith that I'm saved, his grace. But as I have that faith, that gift of faith from him, he wants me to add virtue and to virtue knowledge, to knowledge self-control, to self-control perseverance, to perseverance godliness, to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, love. As I partake of these precious promises, God does a work in me. When I come to Jesus, I'm justified, just as if I'd never sinned. But then a process begins by God's Holy Spirit, through his grace. He begins changing me. He begins changing me. Just like the Apostle Paul. He wanted to kill Christians. And then God changed him in the twinkling of an eye. God brought him to himself and showed him that Jesus is the Savior. Jesus is Messiah you've been looking for. And he was a changed man. And then his passion began not to kill Christians, but to share the gospel with Christians. I mean, with non-Christians so they could come to Jesus. 
What a change God can make in us. If these things, verse 8, if these things are yours and abound, and how they're going to abound? By partaking of his precious promises. If they're yours and abound, you will be neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, barren. Barren's an interesting word. We're barren when we have no return because of inactivity. I'm barren when I don't, with diligence, pursue knowing God. I'm barren. I'm not producing anything good. Unfruitful actions that produce the wrong fruit, the wrong motives, bad results. So he's saying here that if I partake of, of these things, these precious promises, I will be neither barren nor unfruitful. The knowledge of Jesus in my life will make me fruitful in him, will make me produce things that are good, things that are going to influence people in the right way. I love that. For he who lacks these things is short-sighted even to blindness and has forgotten that he was cleansed from his old sins. Therefore, brethren, be even more diligent to make your call and election sure. For if you do these things, you will never stumble. For so an entrance will be supplied to you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. It's an amazing thing that as I pursue getting to know God, as I pursue spending time in his word, he supernaturally does a work in me. Sometimes you go away from a conference and you say, oh, I'm going to be good. I'm going to be, I'm going to do everything right. I am just going to do it. And that lasts till Tuesday. Right? No. It's the diligence just to get in his word and let his word do the work in me. Let his Holy Spirit do the work in me. It's not about me gutting it out. I'm going to be good. I tried that one time. It didn't work. <laughs> but to say, oh, Lord. I'm just going to pour into myself. It's kind of like preventative medicine. You know, as I get older, it's an it's amazing thing. We don't get m many packages. Most of them are medicinal things to make us do well, you know, vitamins and all manner of things we take. But it's preventative. It's not medicine because we're sick. We're, we're preventing being sick or we're preventing from visiting old Arthur. You know, Arthur, arthritis. <laughs> we take these things, this relief factor and all these things that are vitamins and, and oils and things like that that are going to make you not hurt, which is a good thing not to hurt. But it's preventative. And this is, this is it. We're in God's word. God's word's going to do a work in us so we don't have to be barren and unfruitful. It's going to produce in us. And sometimes when you're reading God's word, you don't feel like you got anything. But let me tell you what. Keep doing it. God is going, his word does not return void in your life. Somebody told me one day, when you read the Bible, whatever chapter you're reading, see something about God in that chapter. How do you see God in that chapter? What is he saying to me in that chapter? Sometimes when I, I read the Bible that goes through all the year, you know, and you start January, you start Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, boys, and then you hit numbers. Deuteronomy. But you know what? 
as that becomes a thought, what do I see? What is God saying to me? What is God showing me about himself in this, in this word? It becomes kind of like a, kind of like a, um, a, a, what do you call it? Scavenger hunt. What are you saying? How are you speaking to me today? And you know, sometimes God will use the strangest verses to speak to your heart. Because the truth of the matter is, he knows what you need. And he's going to do that work in you. Look at with me at Psalm 119. Woo, doggy, we got to go fast. Look at Psalm 119. I love Psalm 119. It's a psalm to dwell in, to participate in, because it's talking all about what God's word can do for you. Look at Psalm 119 and verse 9. How can a young man cleanse his way? How can an old woman cleanse her way? I have to say by taking heed according to your word. With my whole heart, I have sought you. Oh, let me not wander from your commandments. See, this is a work of God in us. You let me not wander. My nature is to wander. But as I get in his word, I'm saying, oh God, I'm letting go of the rudder. I want you to guide me. I want you to show me. I want you to deal with my heart. You see, God sees things in my heart I can't see. But as I get in his word, his word is like shining a spotlight on those troubled areas. You, your word have I hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. Blessed are you, O Lord. Teach me, you, God, you teach me your statutes. With my lips I've declared all the judgments of your mouth. I have rejoiced in the way of your testimonies as much as in all riches. And then he kind of gives a formula for letting the word, that word come in and be hidden in your heart. I will meditate on your precepts. Meditate, speaking to yourself, oh, thinking about it, chewing on it. I will contemplate, look into your ways. I can't do that unless I look into his word. I will delight myself in your statutes. I will not forget your word. I have a friend who's a year older, a year or two older than myself, and one day she challenged me. She said, you know what? The Lord showed me that I need to be memorizing scripture. What if one day we don't have our Bibles? What if one day we don't have any ability to read God's word other than what we remember? We'd be up a creek without a paddle, right? Hiding his word in my heart, memorizing. And she said, you know what? When the Lord first spoke, first spoke that to my heart, I said, God, you know me, I don't memorize too well. I'm, not, I'm too old. And he said, can I not do that through you? And she said, I started, I started trying to memorize a passage, and she said it was amazing to me I could remember it. It came together. One trick is to start singing it if you make a song out of it. How many times do you read God's word and you run across a song that you've sung in the past, and you almost can't read it, you want to sing it, right? But but you remember it, don't you? Hiding God's word in your heart. Memorization. I want to challenge you about that. You might say, hey, I don't do that. Oh, you can. In the power of God, because he wants the word to be hidden in your heart. I love that. The whole, the whole Psalm 119 is about hiding his word in your heart. Okay, second thing, prayer, of course. Of course prayer can be the most neglected element of growth. Spiritual maturity depends on systematic prayer. I, um, I was on a board at the church I go to, and they needed people to be in charge of certain things. 
Um, all of them had jobs when I came into this board, uh, but there were two jobs that were lacking. One was to be in charge of the prayer ministry, and the other one was another ministry called Go in Peace. I didn't know anything about Go in Peace. I knew about prayer, but I never had been in charge of a prayer ministry. Well, at first I'm thinking, oh, man. Oh, my gosh. I thank God for that. Because it's a discipline of going weekly with these ladies and praying. And I can't tell you what a blessing it has been. See, the enemy doesn't want you to pray. He'll put anything in your path to keep you from praying. And when I go on that Tuesday every week just to talk to the Lord, just to give praise and thanksgiving to him get our eyes focused back on him because our week gets going monday comes in your from the weekend but tuesday i love tuesday because then i focus back on what matters i cast my burdens at his feet i can't even tell you the answers to prayer that we have seen god doing miraculous things as we pray and then what does that do that makes you want to pray even more god is so faithful so I can't emphasize enough talking with and listening to God. When I talk to him and then I listen to him as he speaks through his word. Talk with our lips and heart. He tells us his will through his word. Third thing, worship. Now worship, we always think of singing and praising and thanksgiving and that is true. But there are many ways to worship him. Uh, communion is a worship to God. Remembering the death of Jesus. Uh, presenting yourself to God as an obedient servant is worship to God. Instruments by which God can affect his will on the earth. When I say, God, I want to worship you by just living for you, by as I go, letting your word come forth through me. You know, sometimes you'll meet a person. You may not actually give them the plan of salvation, but just to give them hope, just to give them love and that they'll know it comes from God. I got on an airplane one time in Ontario going to Seattle, and they came on. It was right after 9-11. They came on and said, we can't go. There's something wrong with the plane. Oh, immediately everybody's thinking, is there somebody on the plane that wants to do us in? I mean, you know, you're all these fears. And, I, and then I started thinking, what about the people in Seattle? I didn't have a cell phone. I didn't have any way to contact them. Will they know that I'm coming late, blah, blah, blah. And the Holy Spirit spoke to my heart and said, I have ordained this time. I was sitting next to a lady. We started talking because we were just waiting. And it was so neat because she shared things with me and I shared things with her. I did not share salvation, but she asked me why I was going to Seattle. I'm going to go speak at a retreat. What's that about? The Bible, blah, blah, blah. She's going to Seattle because her father died and then this woman that lived with him died and she was going to take care of his things. Well, I get to the retreat. It all worked out. I get to the retreat, and that night, one of the ladies came up to me. She said, that's my daughter over there. Uh, yeah, she, she's been going through a lot. Her, her father-in-law passed away, and then this girl, lady that was living with him passed away, and now she, I'm like, I've heard this before. <laughs> Unbelievable. I said, who is? Bleh? Lo and behold, that woman sitting next to me on the airplane was her sister-in-law. She told me, this lady said, we have been praying for her for years. I knew that day that it was a divine appointment from God. And you know what? 
after the retreat was over, this lady went home and told her, guess who was on the airplane with you? The speaker at my retreat. And she got to further share the gospel with this woman. You never know what God's setting up. And it's a worship to him when we say, okay, Lord, you use me, however you see fit. I have another friend. She got on an airplane. The day before, she met this guy that was into physics. And she said, we got in the deepest discussion about the physics. I normally do not think about the f- physics. I normally do not talk about physics. But we were in this deep discussion about physics. She gets on the plane the next day. She's sitting next to this man. They start talking. He's a f- physics guy, whatever that is. A physics is I don't know. <laughs> She said it was so unreal because God gave me an intro with him because of the conversation yesterday that I didn't think anything about. You never know. God sets it all up. So, reading God's word, prayer, worship, and stewardship, using your spiritual gifts in serving and giving. Uh, Look with me. Well, we just read. Oh, no, let's go back to 2 Peter 3. I want to finish that up real quick. Oh, my God, my time is up. Okay, be diligent to be found by him in peace without spot and blame. So I'm at chapter 3 of 2 Peter. And then go on, he says, And consider that the long-suffering of our Lord is salvation as also our beloved brother Paul, according to the wisdom given to him, has written to you, as also in all his epistles, speaking in them of these things, in which are some things hard to understand which untaught and unstable people twist to their own destruction as they do also the rest of scriptures. You're going to know truth, and truth is going to show you the lie. The enemy wants to twist scripture. Why are these people unstable? Why are these people listening to scripture that's been twisted? Because they're untaught. They haven't dealt, dwelt in God's word to know the truth. And he goes on, you, brethren, beloved, since you know this beforehand, beware. There's that word again. Beware, lest you also fall from your own steadfastness. And steadfastness is endurance, stability, established in truth. Beware, lest you fall from your steadfastness. Now, if you're strong in God's word, you're not going to fall from your steadfastness. He's going to... He's going to strengthen you to stand. This is so important. You fall from your own steadfastness being led away with the error of the wicked. I'm not going to know the error of the wicked if I don't know the truth of God's word. And then he says in 18, grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and and forever grow grow in grace grow in partaking of his grace strengthened by his grace it says he gives grace to the humble but he resists the proud grace for every situation and challenge of life listen things come up you're not expecting my daughter just came back from belgium last week and while they were there my son-in-law's from belgium he was getting his visa his spousal visa to be able to come here because He's going to be on staff at a church here in California. It took a year. It took hurdle after hurdle after hurdle. But the Lord showed me every hurdle was a process God was taking them through to trust him. My desire was that it would take two weeks and be done. But God 
was working a work. And now that they've been here, there are more hurdles. It doesn't end. But you see, they're learning to trust God. They're learning to feast on him and his promises and his faithfulness. They're learning to look back and see his faithfulness every step of the way. And now we can trust him because we remember his faithfulness. They're growing in grace for every situation and challenge of life. The school of grace is as we go through suffering and trials and experience, we learn who God is. We learn we can trust him, and he is a faithful God. The knowledge of Jesus demands discipline. Grow not just in knowledge of the word, but knowledge of who he is. So that's our our admonition here. Grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. You know what? That's what can produce his love, his peace, his joy in us. Proverbs 31 was a woman of influence, and it says this, Who can find a virtuous woman, a a wife of valor, all forms of excellence? For her worth is far above rubies. Her children rise up and call her blessed. Her husband also, and he praises her. He says, Many daughters have done well, but you excel them all. Charm is deceitful and beauty is passing. Amen? Amen. I look in the mirror. It's passing, baby. But a woman who fears the Lord, she shall be praised. That's a mature woman. That's a woman who has influence in a godly way. I want to be that woman. I exhort you today. I challenge you today. Get in God's word. Spend time in prayer. Have fellowship with other believers who can exhort you and encourage you along the way. I want to be that mature woman of God that is God's channel for his light and his love, his grace, his goodness, his mercy. Our God is a faithful God. He knows exactly what we need when we need it, doesn't he? Isn't that an awesome thing to know? I can legitimately trust in him. A woman who fears the Lord, she shall be praised. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you and we praise you for these admonitions, these exhortations in your word that we go beyond where we are, God, that we go beyond and let your spirit do a work in us. Lord, we thank you that we have your word in our hands. We're so privileged. Lord, may we not take that for granted. We thank you that we can call upon your name anytime, anywhere, that the mediator, Jesus, enables us to have a relationship with you, God. How we praise you, how we thank you, how we magnify you. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.